Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. How is everybody? You having a good weekend? Did your football teams win yesterday? Yep, mine didn't. Uh, Arkansas lost to BYU 38-31. to It's okay, I'm not bitter. I'm just going to be better. Uh, at least that's what I read on a t-shirt this morning. Don't get bitter, get better. And uh, I don't know, it's kind of easier to get bitter sometimes with your football team, isn't it? Just easier. How about Colorado? Wow. Man, did y'all see the ending to that game? Man, that was incredible. Wow. I was love what uh love what Deion Sanders is doing there. I love that uh uh if you look behind his desk, he's got scripture posted all over his walls, you know. Whatever you put God's name on, he blesses. Amen. I love to see that team doing big things and uh they're kind of America's team right now, which is really awesome. I love to see that. And so uh really galvanizing. Today I'm going to um continue on this series called Vision. And uh, I normally don't sit to teach, but my content over the past few weeks has been rich, and I want you to kind of stay with me. And so uh, I'm sitting to teach. Um, next week uh, is going to be a very u- unique week because I've got a lot of rich content, but I also have some pictures to show you. Next week, uh, you will have on these screens pictures of the Hope Center, and you will be able to see what's coming. Yeah, and uh, and so... Uh, just be prepared. Um, it is absolutely incredible, uh, the drawings and everything. And, it, and it's so apropos what I'm teaching today, um, building in the face of opposition. Uh, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about vision. What is it to catch a vision? What is it to bring a vision to fruition? What does it take? And last week, uh, I started talking about opposition. And when you're going to build something, uh Kingdom-wise, there's always an attack. There's always an enemy to your vision. Uh, and so I had several people email me about this. And so I think the Holy Spirit kind of uh, retuned what I was teaching this week. And so I'm literally uh, t- entitling my sermon, Building in the Face of Opposition. And I'm coming from Nehemiah chapter 4. Uh, we're going to start in verse 7 through 9. But before we go into the scripture, I just want to pray because today... Uh, I need everybody's spiritual ears to be open. I want you to hear what it is the Holy Spirit is trying to say. And I also don't want it to be me teaching. So I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we just ask, Lord, you would open our spiritual ears to hear from your word, not from a man, but from the eternal scripture. Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Ghost, you will pour out your spirit afresh and anew on us. Father, open our hearts to receive what it is you have to give. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Um, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7 and 9. We're going to read that. And I'm literally just going to take you through Nehemiah chapter 4 today. Because in Nehemiah chapter 4, the vision has already come to Nehemiah. He's put together what he's going to do. And in chapter 4, he begins to walk out the vision and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it's at that point opposition steps in. You know, nobody opposes you thinking about doing big things. Nobody opposes you talking about doing big things. But you start doing something big, and you better believe opposition is going to show up. 
Why is that? Because there's a very real enemy to the kingdom of heaven, and that enemy does not want you taking ground spiritually. And so when you start building something uh, that is going to bless the kingdom, you start building a business uh, that is going to sow tithe and offering into the kingdom, you start building your home in a godly way, you start leading uh, your workplace in a godly way, you best believe the enemy is going to come at you because he does not want to give up a square inch of territory. Uh, but how many believe, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to take territory? Amen. So let's read Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, and then we're going to kind of break down some highlights there. Verse 7, it says, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and that the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Now, I want to start this off uh, by saying this, that opposition only attacks progress. Opposition only attacks progress. Uh, if you're not being attacked, chances are you're not making progress. But if you're making progress, I promise you this, opposition's on its way if not already there. Now, I don't mean to just discourage you in that. That's actually meant to encourage you that if you feel opposition, if you feel an attack, let that do nothing else but excite you that you are being useful to the kingdom of God. Amen. That's exciting today. Um, also understand this. The only way to alleviate opposition is to quit. That's it. That's it. Uh, Coach Vade is here, uh, Crestview Bulldogs. Where are my Bulldog fans at? Come on, somebody. Love our Bulldogs. Um, the only way the defense stops attacking our offense is when they leave the field. Is that true, Coach? That's true. That's, that's the only way to get the enemy to stop attacking you is for you to give up on the vision that God has for your life. And I've seen people like that. They're just kind of skating through life and nothing bothers them. So can I tell you, don't be envious of people who are not under attack. That's a sad place to be because they have either given up or they've withdrawn from the battle. But if you are building the kingdom, there is opposition attached to it. And it comes for one reason. And this scripture that we just read gave us some clarity in that. It comes for one reason, and it comes to bring confusion. Have you ever been doing something that you know to be right, but you still had the question, God, is this you or not? Have you ever been in that moment to where you know what you're supposed to be doing, but even in that there's confusion as to which way or how to proceed with what God's asked you to do? Those are the attacks of the wicked one. Also, with the attacks of the wicked one, right after that, it says they attack Jerusalem and they create confusion. It said, nevertheless, how did they combat that? We made our prayer to our God. Can I tell you the opposite of confusion is clarity. How do we as believers in times of opposition, how do we get clarity? It only comes through one thing, prayer. Prayer and meditation. When you pray and meditate, you will find clarity as to how to proceed. That's one thing the scripture guarantees us is that God is not the author of confusion. So if you're confused, you know who's at work, right? 
But secondly, if you need clarity, you need to get before the presence of God and spend time in prayer. And not just prayer, but meditation on the Word. Now we're going to move forward to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10 through 12. I'm going to read this to you real quick. It says, Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And our adversaries then said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they'll be upon us. Now let me explain what's happening here. As they begin to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah has appointed different families to build in different areas, uh, different uh, people with uh, specialties to build build certain gates. Uh, The enemy has seen that they are no longer going to be able to go in and take and traffic inside Jerusalem the way they have been able to. And so they get angry in that somebody's rebuilding the defenses of Jerusalem or the strength of Jerusalem. And so this talks about three parties in verse 10 through 12 that are having a conversation. The first says, then Judah. These are the people of Judah. Uh, It says, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. Can I tell you that you can be a believer and still be a complainer? That you can know God and still be a negative Nancy? You ever met those people? They're going to heaven, but you don't want to sit next to them. Right? That's what's going on here. They're saying, the strength of everybody's getting tired. These rocks are heavy. Right? They're just complaining. There's so much dirt. Mm. We're having to dig through all this rubbish to find good bricks, and then it's dirty. Mm, I'm tired. Mm. Who wants to be surrounded by that? Nobody. Right? So can I tell you this? If you don't be surrounded by it, don't let it come out of your mouth either. Amen. So then there's another group. The adversaries which is Sambalot, uh, the Arabs, and these other groups that are coming out of the, 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 um, uh, the gosh, the, uh, the, the fields at the time. They're outside the city in the fields, and they're coming out to attack the city. And they're saying, they won't even see us coming. They won't know we're there to kill them until we are there to do the damage. We're going to sneak up on them, and we're going to destroy them. And so you've got on one hand, You've got the, it's hard, man. And then on the other hand, you've got, we're coming to kill you. Talking about between a rock and a hard place, and no pun intended. This is a tough situation for the people of God. Nehemiah is leading an unleadable people. The the Bible says that God even called them a stiff-necked people. When they get it in their head that they just can't win, it's just too hard. Can I tell you, doing big things is hard. Taking territory for the Most High God is not easy. Sometimes it takes people saying, I know it's hard. I know people are getting tired. I know we're wore out. I know it's a dirty job. But we're moving forward. We're not going to stop. 
We're going to keep pressing forward. And this was the kind of man that Nehemiah was. But then this gets even crazier. The people that were inside the walls, rebuilding the walls, had heard that the enemy was coming. And it says that the people who dwelt near them came and told them 10 times, hey, by the way, the enemy's coming and they're going to kill you. Think about that. Hey, by the way, the enemy's coming. You're going to die. Hey, by the way, the enemy's coming. You're not even going to know until they get here. They're going to destroy you. Hey, Nehemiah, by the way, the enemy's coming. Didn't know if I told you that yet. The scripture says that 10 times they told them. Let me tell you what that says to me when I read that. What are you replaying in your mind? What is it that you are replaying on a loop in your mind? Because I can tell you, you can either listen to the world or you can listen to the word, but you cannot make them equate ever. You've got to replay the word. What does God say in your mind? And replay that over and over. Because there's always going to be adversity. There's always going to be a reason to quit. There's always going to be a reason to give up. Can I tell you, I've even talked to pastor buddies of mine. They say, boy, Josh, right now is not a good time to build. Interest rates are at eight and a half percent. Man, you're going to have to uh, build less and do this and da 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 da. Can I tell you? Uh, first off, let me let me just explain to you. I'm just crazy enough to trust God that when He says build, that's when I build. That I don't care what other men are saying. If God has released us to build now, we will build now. Now, I'm wise to the things. Yes, I see it. But let me tell you this. I also don't plan on taking 20 years to pay the building off. So to be quite honest, 8.5% interest is kind of irrelevant to me. I have seen God drop checks in this ministry that blew my mind. Can I tell you, it's not past him for somebody to write a check and pay the building off day one then what does interest have to do with it anyway? I'm not scared of God's timing. And neither should you be. I had a pastor email me last week talking about, well, we want to extend to you some thoughts of wisdom. No, thank you. If it has to do with anything other than what God has spoken and we feel God has spoken, we don't need it. Because you're just like a, a symbol, just clanging, ding, 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 over and over and over again. I know what's going on in the world. I know what the interest rates are. But I also know that what God has called us to is on Him to deliver it, not the bank. Amen. People say, boy, Pastor Josh, build a multi-million dollar percent, 8.5% interest. Okay. Okay. But can I tell you, Pastor Josh ain't never done nothing. This is God's church. We will trust him. We will move on his timing. Amen. So uh, 10 times people kept coming over and over again. And you know what? We just have to control the battleground of our mind. Can I just tell you something? What you replay, you are empowering what you repeat in your mind's voice, you are empowering and you are making uh, a stronghold in your mind. So if all I did was walk around, 8.5% interest, the economy's failing, 
Eight and a half percent interest. Boy, the market shifting. Eight and a half percent interest. I don't know what's going on. Eight and a half percent interest. I don't know if we should build or not. Eight and a half percent interest. Boy, a friend of mine says it's a bad time to build. Eight and a half percent interest. Man, you'd be so caught up in fear, you couldn't even hear God's voice. My job is not to meditate on what man says. My job is to meditate on what the Lord has spoken. And can I tell you, that's a word for y'all as well. You listen to the wrong people right now, they'll tell you that it's the, we're going, we're, recession's coming. You know what? As the people of God, I reject that. And I refuse to take part in it. I refuse the value that our homes are going to lose value. Amen? I refuse the thought that my dollar's not valuable anymore. Can I tell you what God has called blessed is blessed. You can take part in the recession if you want to. Me and my house, hard pass. <laughs> what is your inner voice speaking to you? Be careful with that, guys. Be careful from that. Be careful. I love that they said in this, they said, whichever way you turn, you're going to be surrounded. They're going to sneak up on you so fast, you're going to be surrounded. Have you ever felt like you were surrounded by the enemy before? Can I give you some theological realness about that? The devil is not omnipresent. The devil can only be in one place at one time which means he is not capable of surrounding you. Well, the devil's got me surrounded, preacher. No, he doesn't. He's not omnipresent. You know who is? Your heavenly father. And whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, whether you've read the scripture or not, he is surrounding you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, including the day of leap year, you are surrounded by your heavenly father. Amen. So when people tell you, I'm just surrounded. Praise God, you're surrounded by the Lord. Well, I was going to say the devil, but brr. Not possible. Not possible. I love the scripture says the enemy comes around like a roaring lion. Like. He always tries to bow up and look scarier than he really is. Can I tell you the devil has no dominion over a child of God? Matter of fact, the Bible says you ain't got to talk to him. If you even resist him, he'll flee in seven different directions. Come on, it's time the church stand up and know these things. Right? As God is, is calling us to take dominion and to go and build for the kingdom what is he calling you to build can i tell you the enemy's going to come in and try to scare you away from that vision god has for your life and it's your job to not listen to the fear of the wicked one but to the faith of the holy one amen man dial into that faith amen let's keep moving because i want to get this to you today nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 now remember they just warned him nehemiah they're coming Nehemiah, they're coming. Hey, by the way, I tell you they're coming. Nehemiah, here they come. Nehemiah, 10 times they've been just over and over replaying his head. So this is what he says. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked 
and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. If you look at the word opposition, it is the combination of two words, opponent and position. It's your opponent in a specific position. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall and at the openings. Let me paint a picture for you. Jerusalem, the walls were about halfway rebuilt, but there were still areas that were low enough that men could just jump through, right? They could climb, put ladders against and climb up and get in. But then there were also openings where the gates had not been put up yet, that they they had built the wall, but the gate had not been installed. So there were areas that were easy for the enemy to infiltrate. Weak spots is probably how I would uh, phrase that. And Nehemiah says, so in those weak spots, I positioned men. In the weak spots, I put people there. Well, there's a lot of wisdom we can glean from this story. And I want to stop here just for a second because as it pertains to uh, building in the face of opposition, one of the things that the enemy always likes to do is he likes to oppose us in our weakest point. For us to do things the way God's called us to do them, we have to acknowledge our own weaknesses. You see, each one of us has a weakness. Each one of us has a target that the enemy likes to attack. And it's generally because it's where we failed in the past. It's why we see people fall into the same sin over and over and over and over again. It may not even be an addiction as much as it is just a compromised area where the enemy likes to attack, right? And so I love what Nehemiah says. He says, in those weak spots, in those open places, I I like to bolster those with the right people. Can I tell you, you should be doing the same thing. Where you are weakest You need to have people who will hold you up, pray for you, and help you walk through those low places. Now, I want to say this. Uh, There's there's some weird theology out there, and and I always am big on teaching theology according to the Scripture, not according to a bunch of old men a long time ago. Confession of your sin is important but it is not tied to your salvation. Now, stay with me now. Some of y'all about to get a little bit twisted in your seats. I see you shifting already. Getting your email sharpened up. Get ready. The Bible says, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved. Period. There are people who teach that your salvation does not come until confession takes place. I tell you that's not biblical. But let me explain this. There's a difference between salvation and freedom. Watch this. You can confess and believe and be saved. Your eternity is secure. But if you struggle here on earth with a sin that keeps whipping you, 
it's time to get a brother or sister in Christ and confess that weakness so that they can come alongside you and help you find freedom in that. Amen? There is power in confession. There is power to having someone walk alongside you as an accountability partner. And let me also say this while we're talking about it. Men, that's another man. Women, that's another woman. Okay, let's just... Let's get wisdom right out on the table. Amen. Well, she was my accountability partner. Nope, sorry. No, my wife's mad. I keep texting my accountability partner at 11 o'clock at night. We have a different name for that. We call those affairs. Let's be wise. Amen. When you find a weak point in your life, men, there are areas that our flesh makes us weak. There is power in finding a brother or brothers that you can trust and confess your weaknesses to so that then they can come alongside you and say, hey, how you doing this week? I'm praying for you, man. I'm celebrating you today. I'm going to celebrate your positives and I'm going to walk with you in your weaknesses. Women, can I tell you, there's power in finding blood-bought, Bible-filled sisters who will lock arms with you and who will walk with you in those open areas where it seems like the enemy's always attacking. You ought to pick the phone up and say, the old enemy's at it again. Well, come on, girl, let's pray right now. Can I tell you, if I had a dollar for every time I heard Wendy Neal go, well, let's pray right now. Can I tell you, you got, a, you got praying friends, it's time to put them in position, Amen. Find the weakest spots. I love how Nehemiah did this. It's such wisdom. But now I'm going to give y'all some second service exclusive stuff. First service didn't get this. See, between, between first service and second service, I get alone, I pray, and I go through my notes. And I was talking about positioning a man in weak places. And the Holy Spirit says, I can relate to that. And I went, uh-oh. I said, okay, well... What do you mean? I just begin to meditate on it. He said, all of mankind had a weakness. And heaven positioned a man. And I tell you, there was no hope until heaven sent a man. And notice it could not send a God or an angel. Send a man. And I tell you, it's to reveal to us that not only was heaven interested in bringing salvation and help to us in our lowest point, but to remind us that there is power in what God has already entrusted to us in our flesh, that he's given us this dirt suit so that we can do things here on earth, not just in heaven, that we can take dominion here on earth. That when he calls us to go build, when he calls us to not just build, but build in the face of opposition. There's this beautiful picture, and Nehemiah does it better than really anybody in the Scripture. It looks like everything is kind of falling apart. They've been building, and it looks like they're going right, but then all of a sudden they get these guarantees of attacks. And here's what he says. This is what I'm going to close with. No matter what, don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid. See, the enemy wants to control your mind. If he controls your mind, he can control your actions. And God is saying, if you will trust me, I'll give you peace to function in the midst of that storm. You see, I, I, I believe that Jesus could control storms, but I, I always can't control storms. But I, didn't ha- I don't have to worry about Jesus being in the boat with me because Jesus is in me now. So he doesn't speak to the wind and the waves out here now. He speaks to the wind and the waves in here now. And when I'm facing opposition and fear really kicks in, and I'm going to be honest with you, there's great fear that comes at the body of Christ. I get that. There's fear that what the doctor says will come to fruition, right? You ever got a bad report from the doctor? Can I tell you, that's scary business. Some of you in here, I've read your Connect cards. You've got checkups this week. I know it can be a a scary time. Some of you are facing the end of a marriage and you don't know what your next step is going to be. That's scary. I know that. But I want you to know this. At the end of the day, Nehemiah told them, he says, don't be afraid. And then he goes on to make one of the most beautiful quotes in the Bible. He says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You see, a lot of times, the noise of the world drowns out who our God is and how capable he is. And so what Nehemiah did is he pointed back to the true, the true essence of the scripture. And he said, there is a very real God in heaven who loves you with a very real passion. And greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. So I tell you today, if you're trying to build a godly life, if you're trying to build a godly home, if you're trying to build a godly business and you're doing it in the face of opposition, can I tell you, we're in the same boat. We're going to build the Hope Center. We're going to build a place that's going to make an impact for the community. And boy, the enemy tries to come in with fear. Man, not daily, on the hour sometimes. And I have to go back to the one thing that Nehemiah said is he says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. He's great and awesome. He literally transitions to change your mind and begin to worship. Change your mind by beginning to worship. Do you see that? Change your mind with your worship. Later on, the victory comes Because Nehemiah finds every person, not just with a trowel, but with a sword in the other hand. They're busy building, but they're prepared for battle. Amen. I want you to continue to possess the land. I want you to continue to move forward with the things God has placed on your heart. I want you to move forward without fear, but with more faith. I want you to remember that this is how you fight your battles. When you feel the opposition coming at you, Just get into a time of worship. Get into a time of prayer and meditation. And you let the Lord fight your battles for you this week. Amen. Let me bless you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for a time in your presence, a time in your word. Lord, would you bless us and keep us? 
be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord, not fear, not attacks of the wicked one, not negative voices around us. Lord, you have called us to be victorious in your name, and we give you praise for that, Lord. Bring us back next week with more wisdom, more of your word, more faith, more strength, and more territory that we've taken. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.